da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Brian Gill, what is the movie of the week this week? This week we're talking about Pixar's Inside Out. It's about time for this movie it to come is. out. It's about time we talked about a Pixar movie that we that is good, I think. <laughs> spoiler alert. It's spoiler good. alert. Good movie. You're right. Yeah, we didn't get one last year. Yep. No Pixar in 2014. Felt a little bit weird. Very weird. Definitely. It, uh, I think Lego Movie sort of took its place, and yeah. as far as the animation spectrum goes for sure. original and a, engaging animation. Yeah, it was a strong year for animation. It just seemed a little odd not having Pixar. But this year we get a double dose, so it's okay. It's going to feel weird to talk about two Pixar movies in one year. you got to wonder why they spaced it that way. Maybe they're just getting to the point where they want to do two every year. You know, They've, they've yeah. got the staffing and they've got the workflow down to where they can do two projects simultaneously and have them both come out in the same year instead of staggering years. Mm-hmm. Cause they're always working on multiple projects, but I'm assuming yeah. they stagger every other, every, every year, one movie per year while they're working on two. So sure. Right now they'd be working on, I guess, finding Dory and uh toy story four. Yeah. Which are the next up, up and comers. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, um, it's going to be good to talk animation. Of course, uh, Brian and I, have talked to our fair share of animation in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is for sure. So this is this is the first movie, Brian, or animated movie that you and I have talked about without Richard here. Richard is out this uh, this evening. He he refused to review anything that made him feel emotions. Uh, right. So exactly. But the first animated film we've done, Brian, since Big Hero Six, another uh-huh. great film from 2014. 2014 was a strong year for animation. It's quite just, strong. It strong does, again, to quite strong. Feels weird without uh, without old Pixar involved, but uh, still still quite good. They are definitely back, and we are back, and we're going to talk some movie news tonight, which we haven't done in a few weeks. Uh, there's some breaking movie news as of today, as of a couple hours ago. There's stuff that we need to break down right now, and uh, this can't really wait. We've been talking about this kind of at length in, in weeks past. More of a rumbling at that point, and uh, more speculation. We thought for sure that the new Spider-Man had been cast. Yeah. we. I think we even broke it on the show, and then right. I had to retract my statement. Right. Retract that statement. Uh, Brian here and tell us who the real <laughs> Spider-Man is. Hopefully, so we we thought that it was going to be Asa Butterfield of Hugo and uh, well, Ender's Game fame. Yeah, who we were all on board with. I think that was that was fine casting, and instead that that didn't happen. Whatever whatever happened behind the scenes, it didn't go well. So they pulled him out, and instead we now have our new Spider-Man, and his name is Tom Holland of of the fame of. Nothing. Like I don't know anything that this kid has been in, so I can I can almost not speak at all to his virtues. I have not seen The Impossible. I think that's the only thing that right. that uh, perked up there on the on the list. Uh, besides Locke, I've seen Locke, but he's not in Locke. He's just a voice. So uh, I don't know, man. What do you think? We'll get to see him in something big, not as big as Spider Man's going to be, as far as scale and all that. Let's talk about throwing somebody into the uh, spotlight there. Yeah, no joke. I mean, good grief. Uh go from an unknown to Spider Man is kind of a kind of a crazy thing. I wonder why Ace Butterfield didn't get it. I thought he was the great I the did perfect too. choice. 
thought that was a good choice. I would. I, I've said before. I wanted the guy from Kingsman, Taron Egerton, yeah. to be the uh, to be the lead. I thought old. he was perfect. But yeah, he's too old for what they're going for for their version of Spider Man. Because as we all know, it is illegal to make a Spider Man movie in which Spider Man is not in high school. So uh, they didn't want to break the rules or the laws there and face jail time. So they've they've got to age him back and and do the old uh, high school thing again. And again, and again. We also have a director confirmed for Spider-Man. Yeah, this Man, is right? more concerning, to, not concerning, but this is an odder choice to me than, than the, the actor. Because I don't know anything that this guy's done either. Who is this guy? His name is John Watts. He is famous for huge hits like Cop Car with Kevin Bacon and Clown, which I think was produced by Eli Roth. So you know it's good. <laughs> Starring Eli Roth. Wow. Man, that's so crazy. This this is the whole thing we were talking about two weeks ago when we talked Jurassic World. Do you have to just show ability to point a camera at something to get <laughs> a, a big blockbuster to be able to direct a big block? I mean, I'm I'm being serious. It's an interesting thing because this guy on, has directed a movie before. Yeah, he's the Spider Man director now. On you know, the one hand, you want to say uh, you you want to applaud the studio for reaching out and getting an unknown name rather than going out and just kind of hiring a retread that you know exactly what you're going to get. Sure. So I appreciate that effort. Um, but it is also very risky to put your, I'm a guessing this movie, what do you think? It would be, the budget will be like 120 million at the bare minimum. I would, I would bare say minimum, yeah. uh, probably more like 150 to 180 to give somebody whose only credits are very small indie movies that no one has seen to give him, uh, the license to just go out and spend that kind of money, that's really risky. And we'll see if, obviously we'll see if it turns out w- well or not. Um, Marvel's done a great job, I think, up to this point. Because Mar- is Marvel picking, do you know this, Kent? Do you know if Marvel is picking cast and director or is it Sony with Marvel? Pro- do, do, you know, do you understand how yeah, that's breaking down? Yeah, I think down? it's a Marvel thing. Okay. I, I know it's Kevin Feige's the, he's, he's the head honcho for spider-man now uh i don't think amy pascal she's she's out of sony anyway right and uh and the other sony execs i don't think they really have much to say with casting i think it's more of a distribution and you know a split money percentages thing than it is a who we want to play spider-man obviously it was disney's choice not to keep andrew garfield Mm -hmm. who sony would probably be great with keeping because that would stay basically be their franchise Still, yeah, uh, sure. if you don't really make a clean cut away from the actor, you kind of mm-hmm. are still latching on to what Sony did with the Amazing Spider-Man, right? So, yeah, I think it's all Marvel now. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Sony's involvement is just in the back end of things, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, and I guess they have a right to say no to a, to certain things, but. I don't know if casting is one. I, I don't know, but I would say probably not, Brian, Okay. Uh, to answer your question. It's interesting then because that's not typical of what Marvel has done up to this point um, because we're getting, you know, we're getting the Joss Whedons and the Russo brothers and John Favreau and people like that are direct and, and Kenneth Branagh are, are directing most of these Marvel movies. And so while I know that this is a a different venture and, and, but it is still in the universe and I think they want to make it part of the, the universe. It's an odd choice. And, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to come off as I'm trying to bash on this guy. Cause I have no clue if he can make a movie yeah, or not. It's, it's, it's a big freaking deal. Spider-Man yeah. is. And 
to give it to an unknown is more of a risk than to say we'll give it to a guy who we know is not going to hit a home run with this. Sure. Say like they did with uh, Joe Johnston for Captain right. America, right. Uh, an established director who can get by and make it a B plus to an A minus type thing at best, sure. yeah. and uh, and just play it safe. But apparently they must think this guy is the next you know Spielberg right. or something, and they might see something great in the, in the new director. And you got to sure. respect their opinion and hope for the best, you know. So right. And I think they've they've got a track record at this point that you should trust what they're doing. But it it's just it just seems a little it's a little bit odd. It may be you may be hiring too early at this point. But we'll see. I, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm glad they're not just dragging out a name that we all know and and know that can't do anything special. Um, but if this goes poorly, uh, they will have known. I think that they will have no one to blame but themselves. Obviously, uh, you 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 have to be you have to be a hundred percent sure that somebody like this can carry out the deal if you're going to hand that kind of money over. So we'll see. It's an interesting way to go with unknown star, unknown director, as they try to relaunch a brand, really, because Spider-Man is a brand in and of itself in a lot of ways. And so uh, it's it's an interesting approach. A couple other movie news things to go over before we talk Inside Out. Tonight, uh, I want to mention... We have an official title for the Independence Day sequel, oh, yeah. which is now dubbed Independence Day Resurgence mm. instead of Independence Day 2, or the other title we, we had talked about before on the show, once again, as more of a rumbling, was ID4 Forever, wasn't that it? <laughs> I think that's right, yeah. And so this is a little bit better than that. They've dropped the ID4 in the title, which I thought always thought was stupid, too. Uh-huh. Uh, back in the 90s, it was like Indep- ID4, Independence yep. Day 4, but this is the first one. <laughs> uh, it, yep. it never made sense to me even in the 90s, believe it or not, which a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense uh, <laughs> now made sense then. That didn't sure. even make sense then. Uh, so Resurgence, Brian, thoughts on that the title? Uh, it sure is a title. Are you interested in this movie, Kent? Just point no. blank. Okay. No, See, it's I'm going to be you. a piece of crap. And the yeah. biggest star they have is Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> and the last time that that happened, uh, uh, Jed Hirsch begs oh, okay. to differ. <laughs> <laughs> Jed Hirsch hasn't done. He's basically been on set of Independence Day since it last ended. <laughs> he's just like, wait, we never we stopped filming the last one. Or? <laughs> oh no, the last time Jeff Goldblum was the star of a blockbuster that ended great with uh, the Lost World. So <laughs> I. Hey, American! Treasure, I love Jeff I love At Yeah, Jeff yeah. Goldblum. He's he's great. Uh, I don't care about Independence Day anymore. Sure, uh, and certainly not with without Will Smith there. But we do have Bill exactly. Pullman, and we do have Jeff Goldblum and Judd Hirsch. Yeah, I just don't know how you can make. I don't know how you can make a an Independence Day movie without Will Smith. As long as Randy Quaid comes back in some capacity, <laughs> just comes out of the ship. That just, would be fantastic. When they come back to attack the Earth, the aliens, yeah. uh, Randy Quaid is their Randy leader. Randy Quaid is allowed to act anymore, yeah. so doesn't have a sad <laughs> He card. must be within 100 feet of a movie set <laughs> uh, at all times. Yeah. And one other little bit of sad news to, to discuss on the show, the passing of noted film composer James Horner, uh, who passed away a couple days ago. Mm. Uh, this guy... Legendary composer uh, in Hollywood has done some of my absolute favorite scores in movies, and I'm sure Brian, you've enjoyed his work too. Hmm, but definitely. you're gonna really miss him, and he was truly uh, a pioneer 
in his craft. Uh, almost everything he did turned to gold, it seemed. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, great composers, it seems to be that way uh, oftentimes. But uh, noted composer for uh, most notably Titanic which anyone who's seen Titanic, uh, not Richard, because he hasn't, uh, knows that the, the score took it to the absolute pinnacle of what it could have been. It's, it's such a big part of, uh, of that movie. Obviously, the, the Celine Dion song was, was huge. Uh, you know, Say what you will about uh, it being so big, but I mean, that music in that movie and everything just works so beautifully uh, when that movie won Best Picture yeah. in 97. And he also composed the score to The Amazing Spider-Man, which we... I just talked about, which is interesting. Uh, a lot of you know, Braveheart, Apollo thirteen, yeah, All noted score is fantastic. Avatar, noted collaborator with, um, with James Cameron, yeah. And I'm gonna really miss uh, his his work. I I really enjoyed. What's the most recent stuff he's done? Let's. He had he did the 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 score for Southpaw, which is the boxing movie that comes out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And he also did one for the 33, which will come out. That's about the miners that got trapped in Chile. I think mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago, he did that, which that comes out in like September, or October. So those are the two that he's got coming out this year. Some other notable works of his, the boy in the striped pajamas, apocalypto, uh, flight plan. Remember that with, uh, yeah, with uh, mm-hmm. Jodie Foster. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Jones, Stroke of Genius, a movie uh, about golf. Uh, Radio with Cuba Gooding Jr. Remember that one? I do. Wind Talkers. Yeah, Nicolas Cage, man. Yep. And <laughs> uh, so James Horner, rest in peace. You're a legend. You're truly in the uh, the movie score composers Hall of Fame. If there ever was to be one, you would uh, you'd be first ballot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't wait to get up there and listen to some of your scores that you make. Yeah, with, with the Lowood. Absolutely. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Okay, let's uh, invite our guest on. Yeah, we have a guest. We should have mentioned that at the top. We're bad at broadcasting. Sorry. Terrible. Uh, Let's invite our guest on, Brian, and talk Inside Out. Time's gone inside out. Time gets to start again. We are joined now by an amazing individual who has set the world record for highest donation to the Mad About Movies podcast, and we're absolutely thrilled to have him on to talk inside out with us this evening. Mad About Movies listeners, please welcome Eric Bishop. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm thrilled to be on the show. Um, I, I, I love, I look forward to almost every week a new podcast on a new movie, and uh, 
and I listen, even if it's a movie that I haven't seen or probably won't see, I'll listen just to hear the perspective. And there's actually been a couple movies that I've listened to you guys do that I wasn't going to see. And I ended up seeing just from you guys describing uh, your views on the movie. And I went and saw it and I liked it. And I didn't think I would like it just from the previews. So, um, Oh, cool. Yeah. Great. Well, specifically, Eric, what are some of your favorite moments uh, in your Mad About Movies journey so far? If you were oh, to name some. Uh, well, my first like I uh, my first episode that I listened to was the Jupiter Ascending episode, and uh, and did you like off, Jupiter Ascending before you listened to the show? Just curious. No, I you know I didn't see it. I hadn't seen it yet. Oh, and okay. I just, I mean, just listened just to like I said, I was on a business trip to Houston, and I just listened just to listen to something, and it was it was hilarious. And I actually went and saw it, and it was. Out, it was out and out as bad as you guys said it was. It was just absolutely <laughs> horrible. I mean, it, it is like MST3K worthy of ripping. I think actually, yeah, um, it, it's that bad. And and after that, I've I've tried to watch every movie um, as soon as it comes out. So in anticipation of the podcast, that I can know when you guys get into the spoilers and uh, just under sure. you know kind of like just understand what you guys are talking about more. And I you know and I really. In the last year, I've really gotten into movies, and uh, more so than usual, um, gotten into knowing who the writers are, who the directors are, who's a good director, who's a bad director, and you guys, your guys' research into that has really helped me, and I appreciate, and you know, that's really appreciative for somebody that's a movie novice that wants to appreciate movies more, and your guys, your guys' knowledge of the movies and who the directors are and whatnot, like I said, really helps, and now. It's it creates more, in my opinion, of an educated, more of an educated movie fan to know what to go see, what not to see, or even if it's bad, just go see it just to laugh at it. You know, pretty much like Jupiter Ascending or or or, or the or your guys' yeah. favorite. It's bl- it's blanking out on me right now. Um, golly, now you see now me. You see me now. You see me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You seen that one? Oh my God! Yes, I got drafted <laughs> that one. Yeah. Great. Was, oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, awesome. and I thought Woody Harrelson was. I thought Woody Harrelson was like laughingly bad in um, you know the uh, the Katniss Everdeen movies. You know that he's in. Oh, uh, Hunger Games. Yeah, the Hunger Games. I thought his act. I you know, and Woody Harrelson's such a great actor, and I loved him in True Detective. I'm sure everybody loves True Detective like me, but um, but to like see him in True Detective, and then you see him in like now you see me. It's like it's not the same guy. <laughs> I swear to God, it's not the same guy. That's but, you know. that's one of that's what we said. One of the the crazy things about now you see me is like it made Harrelson bad. Like, is that <laughs> even possible? Like, he's never really been bad ever. And then I was like, I turned to Richard when we were in the screening. I was like, How's Harrelson's bad in this? And he was just like, Oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> and, uh, it was a sad realization. Get paid, man, sometimes you just got to get paid. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. Well, I mean, yeah. the, well, the character was just such a rich and interesting. It's just a, <laughs> I mean, you read the oh. script and you're just, just you're, you just want to be in that world. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, I was, I mean, I immediately went out and got one of those uh, magic uh, kits in a box immediately after that. You know, so I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be the next Copperfield immediately. So <laughs> great. Well, we're excited to talk inside out with you. Uh, you know the way this works. We'll give general thoughts so, first, and we'll save spoilery type stuff uh, till a little bit later. Uh, but we want to get a, a general sense of your movie. Uh, knowledge, your movie tastes, if you will, uh, before we get real into this. Are you big in animation, uh, Eric? Uh, is Are you a big Pixar fan? Is this something you kind of just randomly uh, seek out every now and then? Uh, what's the deal there? I love Pixar. I, I have been a Pixar fan since the first Toy Story. I believe that was their first movie. Yeah. And, I mean, every time they make a new movie, 
and, and you know, not especially the sequels, but when they make a new one like this, mm-hmm. I'm always my first my first reaction. And when I said to my wife after this is over, I want I always wanted to go into a Pixar the meeting room when they're about to do something new, the group think session, like the brainstorming. Sure, I'm always amazed at their view on just day to day life stuff. Just the normal minutia of life, and, and this movie is not is just the same. Like Toy Story, you know, it, just to think of the lives that toys have, or, or you know, uh, Finding Nemo, a random clownfish in the ocean. It's just uh, they're 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 they have an amazing group of talent over there, and I and it's one of those things that you hope keeps going, and it, and it's and it's not just and and, and as somebody is who's married who don't have children yet, but can't wait to show my kids. These movies, Toy Story one, two, and three, and sure. and uh, you know, uh, Finding Nemo, and you know, Monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. was probably my favorite. It just, it's movies that you literally laugh. It's and I've always just, and I've always, in my opinion, thought a movie was great if it makes you laugh, it makes you cry, and you're interested in the plot. Right. And and every and almost I can almost say to a T, almost every single Pixar movie does that. May make you laugh. They make you cry, and they always have such interesting plots, and it's it's amazing. They're they're amazing people. Brian, what are your just uh, Pixar thoughts? Just to summarize, yeah, I'm with I'm with Eric, man. I love Pixar. I have I have since the first one. Toy Story was such a groundbreaking thing, and and Eric hit the nail on the head there. It's it takes an incredibly not just talented, but probably a weird person to be able to. <laughs> Uh, to to come up with the ideas, not not to write the stories, not to put the films together, but just the the first seed of an idea that they have for all of these films are so out there, but they're so great, and 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 you see the vision all come together, and it it absolutely just every time, every time it blows me away. Um, I I went through and I, I started to write a blog for for the Mad About Movies podcast page and I just didn't have the time to finish it. So I think I'll do this for uh, when Good Dinosaur comes out and put out the ranking of the the first fifteen first fifteen Pixar m- movies. And I think Cars two is terrible, but I think <laughs> beyond Cars two, even the worst Pixar movies, uh, the next five or six that would be on my list are still really good movies. And, uh, you know, like brave is the most recent film besides, uh, I guess monsters. Monsters you monsters. You is not great. I can go on a record and say, yeah, it's not a really good movie, but they're both still B movies, you know, B or B plus or whatever, you know, somewhere in that range, which, and they're totally acceptable. And, and if you are, uh, if you're if you have a kid and you're stuck watching a cartoon, sometimes all you want is just for it not to make you want to gouge your eyes out or something. And uh, <laughs> and those both both of them totally pass that test. Cars two does not. Cars two. My son. I said last week. My son loves cars. We have I have cars on Blu-ray, but we keep cars and cars two on the DVR just so we can pull it up at any moment's notice. Because there's times when it's just like that's the only thing that will pacify him. Um, I would rather show him like the grislier scenes of game of thrones than watch cars two with them i can't i can't stand it cars two is terrible but the rest of the those films are at worst passably decent and that's saying something you know to be able to right. put that together 15 films in now over the course of 20 years uh to be able to have that kind of resume is uh, is kind of absurd in a lot of ways. We talked about Spielberg last week on uh, the Jaws podcast, 
and just the run that he had in the 70s and into the 80s and really on into the the mid-90s with hardly a miss. And that's an incredible run. Um, But to have 10 or I I don't know how many directors they had in these first 15 movies, but uh, to have a, a large group of directors plus all the writers plus all the owners plus everybody that comes together to make these movies and and have that kind of run and honestly it looks like we're about to have like rather than a regression like i think we're about to be in a resurgence if this movie is anything to uh to indicate what's to come uh it's an incredible feat and I, i'm always blown away at what they're able to do and how they're able to capture human emotion in the most ridiculous silly cartoony ways no absolutely and i think so much of what they do is just so genuine and you yeah. just truly don't feel like anything that they do is convoluted or made just for the purpose other than cars. I do feel like cars was made to sell toys like that. The sole purpose, like every kid loves cars. Let's make cars, cars talk. And there you go. And they could stop making the movies, which they have. Um, but you still go to Toys R Us or Walmart, uh, your local toy store and there's a whole aisle of car stuff still oh, yeah and it's totally. you know I they haven't it. had a yeah. movie in three years or whatever yeah. it is so cars is might be their biggest line of products uh as far as the the finances go on the on the back end what you mentioned eric that you just wanted to be in one of their brainstorming sessions that's got to be a really cool experience to to be there to to work at pixar i would love and please reach out uh, listener audience if you know anyone or if you yourself work at pixar or you have a cousin or a brother that works there or something that would like to come on the show and talk about what it's like to work there i've i've always wanted to to have someone on the show who has worked uh behind the scenes there it's just such a it's like willy wonka's factory you don't really know what yeah. goes in you don't really know what happens there but you know that great things come of it you know and if there's a dead kid it's somewhere in the chocolate there's probably some dead kids somewhere around the (laughs) pixar studio there there probably is but talking about the brainstorming sessions they they have what's called the brain trust at pixar i don't know if you're familiar with the the term brain trust it kind of goes into inside out a little bit i wonder if if some of inside out was based on the concept of the brain trust but they basically have seven guys that are in charge of everything at Pixar. These seven guys, I, I don't know how many there are. There's eight, at least eight. Uh, John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, Pete Docter, Lee Unkrich, Brad Bird, uh, to name a few. Those are the most well-known ones or who have made something out of the career other than Pixar. But they all get together, and, and basically every idea comes through them. Uh, they, they work every idea. They decide what's going to be a movie and what's just an idea. Uh, I'm sure that working at Pixar, you get ideas pitched to you like insane uh, from everyone that works at Pixar and from uh, people that your friends say you're at church and people are pitching you ideas for Pixar movies and and things. The Business Insider actually did a really great write-up on it. They did one lunch meeting. It was actually 94 uh, when they started doing Toy Story. And they started saying, well, what are we going to do after Toy Story? Because they were already pretty deep into the process of that. And they came up with the ideas uh, for A Bug's Life, Monsters Incorporated, Finding Nemo, and Wally uh, in that one lunch. It's so, just amazing, yeah. And uh, obviously, Wally came out in in '08, I think it was. Yeah, yeah all, and so yeah. that's like 
you know, a decade's worth of ideas right there in one freaking uh, lunch meeting. So, and, I mean, and not to interrupt you, Kent, I believe Wally was the uh, inspir- it was in- was a dedication. Uh, one of the members passed, and they made the movie in his memory, I believe, uh, because it was his. I guess it was his. Uh, so quote unquote baby, I guess was Wally. Okay. Is that correct? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the guy's name, but yeah, I, I remember. I, I remember when Wally was was about a year away, and and you know how Disney does it. They take a year away. They take about a five second clip, and they do a pre before movie. And I remember in memory of I cannot remember the gentleman's name, but I remember it was like it was his idea was Wally. And in and, and they said this is dedication to him, and then they did the preview for Wally a year out. You know. By the way, I just want to get this out of the way. We're going to have our little rankings. Uh, I don't know how much Inside Out will affect your rankings, but before Inside Out, Wally was my number one. Yeah, pick, it's up there. Pixar. Besides uh, Toy Story Two, which is still like biggest place in my heart for Toy Story Two and Toy Story. But uh, but Wally, I rewatched this past week, and it's just it's just fantastic. I, I, I love, love Wally. Wally. By the way, the guy's name was Justin Wright, who uh, yeah, who that passed was away yes, that sir. they dedicated sir. the film to. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember that now. Eric, what's your favorite one? I wow, um, it is. You know, it's like it's it's like trying to it's like trying to you know bring a basketball reference like you guys too, like debating LeBron and Jordan. Uh, sure. They're both great. They both have such little intricacies that make them fantastic and that make them different. But you almost, I almost go and, you know, wow, that is a great question. Um, I'd have to say my ultimate favorite is still probably Toy Story to this day. It, it just, I remember walking out of that theater and I remember thinking, who thinks, you know, who, you know, comes up with the idea of a conversation between toys and, you know, the, the brainstorming that it took to come up with, you know, a new toy comes in and how earth shattering that is to their world and stuff. And I just remember being blown away by it and, and you know, getting hitched to the, you know, it just, ama- it just amazes me going in the next door and the boy that tears the toys apart and that whole, you know, and coming up with the idea that, you know, that there's like toys that are put together like, uh, like Frankenstein. It, it just, it blew me away and it still, and it still gets me to this day. And, and it's one of those movies it's like for me for it's like Indiana Jones or Back to the Future. And when it's on, I watch it. It's it's one of my favorites. Probably my second favorite would be Monsters Inc. I loved Monsters Inc. I loved you know I love the comedy of that movie. It was so lighthearted and and it was really it was one of more the one of their in my opinion more lighthearted movies. Uh, I remember people at the time thinking that it was going to be too scary for kids, and I remember walking out and thinking, "No, it's a great, it's a very lighthearted, great, yeah. loving movie." You know, with Boo and you know Sully and all them. Wally, uh, Wally is not my top five. I liked Wally, but not as much as like Monsters Inc. I I gotta put Inside Out at three. I loved this movie to death. I really yeah. did. Just for not only was so good, but it was just it was another one of those you know that's a Pixar thing where they come up with another angle on regular life minutia, like I said earlier. And I just I couldn't get over I couldn't get over during the movie thinking. They kept on coming up with things during the movie, not to give away spoilers, just coming up with you know different things in the movie. I'm thinking, you know, the brainstorming session again. You know, they're thinking, yeah, we're going to do this for this, and this is going to represent that. And it just, I just kept being amazed. And that's what Pixar does to me in this genre of cartoons is that they there's never a movie that I walk out where I'm not amazed by something that they thought of. 
Yeah. Uh, now I'm struggling to come up with uh, Toy Story 2 would probably be 4. I love the Toy Story movies, obviously. Interesting that you say Toy Story 2 and not 3, because Brian is a big Toy Story 3 guy. Yeah. You know, I'm a I Toy Story 2. Yeah, I love Toy Story 2. Toy Story 3, not. I really, it was disappointing to me. I was really disappointed. It was a gr- I thought it had a great plot. It had a great direction. It just, it just didn't grab me like the first two, two Toy Stories did. I, I just, you know, the 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 trying to make a, a bear, the the, the the the, I want to call him HR Puff and stuff, but that wasn't his name. Yeah. Sir Hugs a lot, or something like Lots that. Lots of bear, yeah. Lots, Lots of bear, hugs yeah. a lots of bear, whatever. And you know, it, it just didn't, it just didn't. Re- it was one of those movies. It was like Monsters University to me. It just, it was okay. It was decent, like you said. It was like a B plus, but it just, you know, just it was like it didn't live up to this Toy Story genre before it. And uh, hopefully, Toy Story Four is is uh, comes up better than Toy Story Three. Uh, what does your list look like, Brian? Toy Story Two is is further down for me. I think I love Toy Story Two, but I think One and Three are are significantly better films. To to highlight a couple that we that we haven't mentioned met much um up is really high up there for me that one is a yeah. just an emotional run of the gamut it's just I've oh my gosh yeah. uh, it just kind of destroys me toy story is probably is probably still my favorite pixar film uh it gets some credit for being first and kind of opening up this world to me uh it's in the same way that like it's hard for me not to say that the sopranos isn't the the greatest drama of all time because it was kind of the first great drama of this golden age of television and so i think it gets some credit for breaking the for breaking the mold i guess the incredibles at all i think the incredibles is the best pixar movie that i think would top my list now it's really hard it is really hard for me to differentiate between i would say the top six pixar movies are all in the same like if you told me any of those top six movies are the best movie from Pixar, I don't know that I could argue with you. And really, if I want to be honest, I could probably say the first, the best nine, I think, have legitimate argument. Like, Finding Nemo is fairly low on my list comparatively to other people. I just don't, that one didn't grab me so much. But if you said Finding Nemo is the best Pixar movie, I'd be like, okay, I think, you know, I get where you're coming from. Uh, I think The Incredibles, I rewatched that yesterday or the day before with my kiddo. And uh, it's so fresh. It's such a fresh way to tell a superhero story. It looks so great. And, and it's such an interesting story that they've got going. They, that one is one of the – at the. I think it kind of sums up Pixar because it's telling a very simple story in a very abstract, ridiculous, complicated kind of way. Uh, and I, I just love the I love the way that that movie plays and and continues to play, you know, ten or ten or twelve years down down the line. I, I think it's a I think that's a phenomenal film. Wally is very high for me as well too. I think I would would call Wally the best romantic comedy of the last decade. Uh, <laughs> as strange as that may sound, I think that the relationship between Wally and Eva is so much better and so much more genuine than almost any relationship related film that has that has come out in the last 15 or 20 years let's talk more specifically about inside out guys let's get into this conversation this is up there for me i was blown away by the originality of this movie Uh, if like you were saying brian if you came up to me tonight or today or tomorrow and said inside out is the best pixar movie i'd be like okay 
You know, yeah. I couldn't yeah. really yeah. argue I, with that. And I might and, make that case at the end of this. You know, if you gonna... come up to me and you're arguing ratatouille in my face, and I might have something to say about that, you know. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but not inside out. I mean, this was this is unlike anything I've ever seen. This is just a treat to watch and witness. And uh, it's just this kind of a shame that this got so overshadowed by Jurassic World this past weekend, not only financially, but in the press and everything kind of silent impact it had uh, this past weekend. But I mean, I went to a 3 PM Tuesday showing of this and it was almost sold out. So it seems to made a lot of money, you know, yeah, it's not Jurassic World money. It's, it's the second. I mean, it's the highest grossing second place of all time. Yeah, uh, yeah almost a hundred million dollars and and lost out again to right the monster. And I believe that is Jurassic the, World. the highest grossing original non sequel, which is we're really getting into brackets at some point. Yeah, right? I was just about to add, Brian. That's a great point. I was just about to read. I read this morning that it passed Avatar. I guess okay. opening weekend is the best, as you said, original. Yeah, it passed Avatar. Oh, I guess. Amazing. Sorry about that. That's that's, uh, that's unbelievable. Yeah. It would not be a Pixar movie if we didn't get a short film uh, oh, before oh. it. Yeah. This one was called Lava, uh-huh. and it was about a volcano who falls in love. And you you would think they would have thought of everything until you see <laughs> a, a short film about a volcano who wants to fall in love with another volcano. Yeah, what did y'all think on that? Because it was fairly divisive on, on the Twitter. I was not... It wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, I can see why people would like it. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't one of my favorite ones. It wasn't one of the most memorable ones that they've done. Um, mm. It was kind of cheesy, in my opinion. Uh, my favorite ones they've done are the birds on a wire. I love that one. Uh, the old man playing chess. Remember that? Yeah, uh, short. Yeah. That's a classic. Uh, the the blue umbrella was great a couple of years ago. Now, I think that was Monsters U with the blue umbrella. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, there have been some some great ones. This doesn't really rank very high for me uh, as far as uh, first impression just being blown away by by the short. It was better than that Frozen short we got before uh, Cinderella. Cinderella, there we go. Yeah. Oh, man, that was bad. But, yeah, yeah. This, was, this was an original idea, and it was cute and all that, but it wasn't really... My style. Uh, what do you think of it, Brian? You liked it. You yeah, said you were bawling it. your I, eyes out. Yeah. Uh, that, look, I was, I, I was very emotionally charged. I'm at this like this movie that I know is going to be super emotional about a kid with my two year old. I took him to the movie uh, at midnight. You know, midnight premiere. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we went at like <laughs> eleven o'clock in the morning. But uh, I'm not that guy. But so I like I was just prime, and I'm a big movie crier to begin with. I'm a huge basket case when it comes to the emotions of a film, and so I was like super primed to just bawl my eyes out, I guess. Anyway, and then I really dig that. I love Hawaiian music. I love the the uh, ukulele. Uh, yeah, the ukulele and uh, and and that all that music, and so it, it it hit me in the right the right spot at the right time, I guess. And uh, I've I been think it was a cool idea. It just the whole time. it just the idea's execution, especially with the the volcano itself, was just so goofy. You know, yeah, you it could tell it was like, definitely a short, not a not a feature film. You know oh, what totally. I mean? Like sometimes their shorts, you're like, dude, turn that into a feature, and I'd I'd watch the heck out of that. But I don't think it was that. But I think it served the purpose for a five minute short. Sure, uh, Eric. Any thoughts on that little five minute thing? It, it it was okay. Uh, it's like I said, the birds on the wire is probably my all time favorite. I I, it, I was laughing at that 
uh, and it was, you know, I remember laughing at that as about as much as the movie itself. I can't remember which one that was before, but uh, I thought it was okay. Uh, I remember it started out and my wife leaned to me where the volcano and there was the animals and stuff like that. And she says, I hope this isn't like a, like a, like kind of like a hidden message environmentalist thing. Cause you know, cause, cause like there was these people and you were getting ready for like something bad to happen, but it, you know, yeah. but again, you're in a kid's movie, something bad's not right, going to happen. Right. And, and, and then it was man okay. comes and, and bulldozes you know. the entire volcano and builds Walmarts. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know, actually was, the animated version of Blackfish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting ready for InGen to come in. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sure. Um, but it, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't my cup of tea. It was sweet. Uh, it's, you know, it's typical Pixar. It's a really, you know, it's a really touching at the end. You kind of got it. I thought it, uh, to me, it, it felt like it was like near the end before. I don't know if we can get to specifics about it, but right sure. when, um, when he's going into the ocean, I guess, I thought it was starting to drag a little bit. And I was like, man, how long is this? Usually, the short feels a little shorter than it this. did. It did feel long. It, you're right. It yeah. did feel long. And and I remember when it was finally done, I thought, well, you know, that was well done. It just, man, it just felt like a long short, then longer than their normal shorts. And uh, like I said, it was it was okay. I'm kind of in between you guys. I didn't like it. I didn't love it. But I didn't I didn't hate it either. It was it was it was okay. Um, it, you know, it's kind of middle of the road for me. I guess if I'm gonna I'm gonna be a fence sitter and say it was middle of the road. <laughs> I just want to talk a little bit about how ambitious of a movie this is, uh, Inside Out. And this is one of the more complicated things they've ever done, if not the most complicated thing that Pixar's ever done. I mean, you can't – when you're essentially creating a world inside someone's mind, there's no reference material as to what that – I mean, animation-wise, on what that would look like. You can't – Go and, and photograph, you know, your kid's bedroom and, and toy box and all that. You can't go to uh, UCLA and take photos of the campus like you would say for researching Monsters U. Uh, this is all just original concepts, original uh, ideas by some of Pixar's best people. But I mean, this must have taken years to just the concept of it, you know, just to storyboard this thing out, just to. Re- Come up with the the plot points of the story, the beats of the of the story, in itself is just extremely impressive, and yeah. I'm just glad that I that okay, Kent, you're going to make a movie about the emotions inside your mind, and uh, go. I'd be like, uh, what? You know, <laughs> like it's it's such a crazy. I mean, you you can see where it, what it could be in your mind. You know, um, if you were to give me that idea, I'd say, well, that could be really cool, but it would take. A long time and a lot of effort, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm just really impressed with this movie. Uh, it's it's a lot harder than just talking fish, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. or toys come to life. I mean, that that's an obvious idea. That's one of those. Why didn't I think of that type things? Toy Story is, and uh, this seems like one of those too. Oh, that's so clever. The emotions in your mind are characters. You know, that's it's one of the one of the best ideas that that Pixar has ever had. What are your general thoughts on this, uh, this movie, Brian? Yeah, I think it's the best movie of the year. Uh, and I don't, I don't think it's particularly close and I know we've got a half a year to go and surely there'll be stuff in competition for this, but I would be shocked if, uh, if we were not discussing this film on our end of the year review podcast. Cause I, I'm just, I'm with you, Ken. I'm, I'm totally blown away by the concept. I'm blown away by the, the script, the way that they're able to make this concept seem 
fun and enjoyable while also like being very serious about the emotions <laughs> that it's that it's uh endeavoring to 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 take part in and to uh explore i i've never i don't know i don't know what I don't know how to to rank this on the 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 Pixar scale because there's just so many great movies. But man, I have a feeling that three or four years down the line, after I've seen this a few times, that it's going to be really hard not to say Inside Out is the is the best Pixar movie of the year. Uh, excuse me of of ever. This this whole year has been a fun year at the box office, I think, and and I've enjoyed. It's been a lot. Sort of it's movies. been very flatline, though. It's been very there, yeah. I'm Just looking back. And there was a lot of B plus A minus for me, which is fine. Like I'm, I'm excited that I'm glad that some of these movies didn't fall flat. That they didn't suck, um, because I was really looking forward to a lot of these films, like Furious Seven and Avengers and whatever else. I, I, I've been we've we've been looking forward to this year for movies for a really long time. This is the first movie that's come out that really excites me and has really push me to a point of like that is not just a uh, an enjoyable movie not just an exciting movie not just a good movie that's a great movie uh and and so that's where i'm at i i love this film and i'm i'm so it's really gotten me pumped up for what the rest of the year is gonna bring us uh because it's just this is the first like real high of the year at least for a studio release i think the best movies that we've seen this year can't leading up to this were we're both documentaries, you know. We're going clear and and yeah, uh, montage of heck, yeah. uh, which you know aren't my my favorites. Other than, I mean, up till now have been Ex Machina and right. and Mad Max. I still think yeah. those are the two. If it was, you know, if there were the Oscar conversation started today, those two and Inside Out would have a say in in surely uh, the, some of the best of the year conversations. Sure. Um, so those are my favorite, but yeah, if I was to say the best movies I've seen, definitely, definitely going clear is probably the most polarizing. Sure. Um, yeah, I, th- I would vote for that over those, right. uh, those, three I think both of those movies are incredible, but they're also, I think, I think, I think honestly, Brian, I think this is going to be, this is a best picture quality film. I mean, yeah. this, this could win the award and I would be like, okay. Well, it's and one it's of the most genius year, things I've ever seen on screen. So yes. sure, you can give it the Oscar. No, that's it's fine a year me. that's a little low on the typical best picture type films. I mean, there's always going to be some, especially as we get closer to the end of the year. But it's it's. I was looking at the next six months on the calendar today because I was getting ready to write a blog post about uh, movies I'm looking forward to for the rest of the year and. There's a lot of stuff that I'm stoked about, but it's a lot of Star Wars, you know, and things like that. There's not an inspector uh, and, and even the Hunger Games, things like that. There's not a ton of uh, of typical best picture fodder. So, yeah, I, I'm 100 percent with you. I think I kind of would be surprised at this point if this is not a major, major, almost a favorite in some ways to to win best picture, which would be quite the feat. But, dude, I, I love this movie and I'm. I've I don't know that I've ever like I said earlier like I cry a lot in movies I'm not you know I'm a big baby about about pretty much anything that happens in a movie uh I don't know that I've ever just blubbered and wept in a movie like I did with this one and I'm sure you blubbered dude <laughs> I was dying like dude it was that's the, fu- that's funny because like I said I was in a nearly sold out screening and I didn't yeah. hear any blubbering oh, I just look, can imagine I, you like 
I mean, I was dying, and uh, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the fact that my kiddo's here with me, and and that you know this whole movie is about is really about a child trying to communicate with her parents and vice versa, and so that you know it hits home, and also I'm a huge baby. So, but yes, I I was. On the verge of just like out and out weeping a couple of times, which is not typical. I usually kind of get the you know the choked up thing going and a little little uh, little dusty eyes, but this was on another level of just like man, I am might have an emotional issue at this point. I think where the movie succeeds most is not only in um, in the originality of it, but the uh, relatability of the story. Uh-huh. It's crazy. I would never have thought I would have related to a movie like this in such a boyhood type of way that I did. Yes, that's a great um, comparison. It, it, the metaphor that they use for growing up is moving. She moves from Minnesota to San Francisco. Well, you know that that transition was what was what upset her so much. Um, that could mean anything for anybody. Uh, I, I mean, I revisited some Pixar over the past week, like I said, but this is one of the best animated films they've ever done. As far as pure animation, uh, this is one of the the most well-animated and well-voice-acted films that they've ever done. I was just, I was extremely impressed with the way they brought the emotion really out of the, the voice work that they got out of uh, Amy Poehler yeah. and, and Mindy Kaling and, and Bill Hader. Uh, just, just outstanding work from, from a pure, uh, as years go by, as, as I watch these Pixar movies, every, every time they're released, I'm just so blown away by the, where animation has come in, Mm -hmm. in 20 years. You know, you put these people next to Andy from Toy Story one and Andy looks like a robot, you know, next to him. It's just the the range of emotion you can get on a face of a of a animated character is just the subtlety of of emotion is something extremely difficult to work with i'm sure yeah. Uh, yeah. and i mean they get with the emotion in in riley the the main character's face uh it's just like you said brian it, i mean it gets to you it, it it rips your heart out seriously and we're talking about Basically, something somebody painted on onto a onto a computer, and we're weeping because of that. Does that yep. isn't that crazy to you? It's to, amazing. It is amazing what they're yeah. able to do. The way that they are able to to make these movies so human. You know, like there are. I, I feel like almost any director out there that's that's making not animated films. You know, that's making the the most Oscar. Baity type films ever just with actual wishes. people. Yes, they with wish actual they could get the human emotion. beings yeah. wishes that they could make movies that are as human as Pixar routinely makes their movies. You know, <laughs> and Inside Out I think is probably at, the, the, at the top of that. It's game. the pinnacle. Yeah, yeah, it's the absolute pinnacle of animation. It really is in a very Toy Story way. The the fact that in Toy Story there was there was so much that everyone remembered there was so much nostalgia involved with toy story mm-hmm. uh for example you know we grew up with uh spacemen uh action figures well our parents grew up with slinky dog you know yeah. it's a very different thing but there was a there was a lot for for both audiences in uh in toy story and in past pixar films this had a lot of that too a lot of jokes that only i was laughing at and none of the kids in the audience seemed to understand 
And uh, and the dinner scene uh, in particular, the one that's that's in the trailer, is that's for adults. That scene with the yeah the the mother signaling the husband and the husband watching hockey in his mind and all that. It's yeah you know kids will get it, but that's a scene for us. Right. And uh, and there's some other uh, funny stuff that uh, that's for the adults. Like for example, they're going through Riley's mind, and I guess they're uh, they're wiping stuff out of her memory. They have like these cleaning units or I don't know what the the term they used in the movie was, but they're they're shredding memories and they're making way for new memories, uh, if you will. Right. And so they're going through all her piano lessons, and they say, "Just remember heart and soul and chopsticks. Throw out all the other ones." Because <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. Because like that's the only two songs anyone who hasn't played piano since they were ten can sit down and play. It's so funny. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. I don't know why. I was just no. I was, I was dying just belly too. laughing yeah. at that. <laughs> and they go, uh, "Oh, presidents, uh, remember Lincoln, Washington, and the fat one." And that's it. <laughs> like that's all people are like. Oh, Teddy Roosevelt, Lincoln, Washington. Uh, all the others, no one ever ever remembers. But man, the the script is just so polished, so here. tight. It's yeah. so so good. The best script they've ever had for sure. I, I think you're probably right. No, hundred percent. Uh, but so much of it is based in reality, uh, which is what I what I like. What are some of your favorite parts of this uh, this movie, Eric? There's so many. Uh, the, uh, when they're going through cleaning the mind, it was easily probably one of my favorites. And then uh, uh, when they pull the memory, and I told my wife, you know, their 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 idea for memories is a little glass ball with a gif inside of it that you could just keep rewinding <laughs> back and forth. Yeah, and yeah. Um, with the the gum commercial, and they're like, "Oh, we love <laughs> enjoy enjoy." Like, gets a face on her. The, the look when you guys were talking about the look on her face is like the curled up, like she smelled something. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, we hated that." And they're like, "No, we love it, and we like to throw it in there anytime we want to." <laughs> and it, and it's like, and then immediately go to the little girl humming the tune, da da da, da you know. And it, that's that's part of Pixar, you know, and that's. The function of the mind is what they picked up, and that's what uh, that's probably easily one of my favorite parts. And uh, um, it, to me, the casting was just perfect. I mean, yeah. you couldn't cast this movie any more perfect. I mean, Mindy Kaling as like a preppy disgust, and who she she's not really that, but she's played that perfect. She played that role perfectly in The Office. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Bill Hader. Bill Hader can do anything comedically, in my opinion. And uh, Fear, he was great. Amy Poehler. She's fantastic. But I mean, Lewis Black is anger. I mean, the epitome of anger, an angry man, Lewis Black. And he just, he was hilarious. You know, and when his dad, they're getting ready to put the foot down at the table and he goes, oh, dad, you think that's bad? Let's see this. You know, he flames up and flows the controls full on, you know, and you could just, you can almost see that in. I've read many places that Phyllis Smith, the sadness stole the movie, but in my opinion, I thought I really thought the character that stole this movie was Richard Kind's Bing Bong. Yeah, and I know that sounds I, funny, but I really it was amazing. It was just it was just a character that I hadn't read about in previews, and it, I hadn't read it all. And yeah. I really thought that Peter, um, um, critics had thought it was a, like a throwaway character almost, and I thought it was just one of the more essential ones. Totally, I mean, he I was totally agree. he was yeah. funny. I mean, heartbreaking when he looks up at Joy and he goes, take her to the moon for me. I mean, I died. I yeah. broke right there, man. Yeah, Oh, man. And there's not a lot of movies where I've done that, and that got me. And that was amazing. And um, Richard Kind, he's a hilarious from Spin City. That's how I always remember him is he, oh, he's the guy from Spin City. And um, 
it was fantastic. I thought, and personally, I thought he stole the movie outside of joy and sadness and all the other characters. But I thought he was just absolutely perfect. Um, yeah. And, the, and my, one of my more fa- uh, funny parts, if I if say it real quick, is um, when he's describing himself. And then when they go into the tunnel and joy, Amy Poehler says, well, you know, he's part dolphin. That means he's smart. So yeah. he knows what he's doing. <laughs> you know, it's one of the, it was like a quick throwaway line, but I caught it and I thought it was hilarious. But, uh, you know, but, you know, it was because of that character and, you know, going through the different minutiae of imagination land. It was just fantastic. It was just amazing. I, I'm pretty sure that they, they came up with the, the disgust character just to get Mindy Kaling into this movie somehow. <laughs> like, that, like, disgust is not a emotion that you normally associate with your subconscious you know what i mean like it's yeah. uh like i'm sh- pretty sure that they're like well we want mindy for for joy but she's not very joyful but maybe <laughs> we could have her the opposite of joy but that's anger oh yeah crap uh how about disgust <laughs> uh they they were gonna have uh up to 20 different emotions in the movie on uh, the original story uh they're gonna have 20 characters there so i'm glad they narrowed it down to the yeah. five uh, the five characters, uh, the uh, other ones that they considered were pride and surprise. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad they left surprise yeah, out. Actually, yeah. um, you know that that's not really a that's not really a feeling in my opinion, like not a main feeling. But the, I, I think they nailed, like you said, they nailed the five. And I after seeing, I couldn't imagine surprise or fear. I mean, uh, not fear, but uh, surprise or. Pride. Or giddiness or, or pride or giddiness or, you know, or, um, uh, yeah. you know, something like that. I, I think they got it right. I wish we would have gotten, like, Guy Fieri as sick. Just, I'd have been okay with <laughs> If she's that. laying there sick, hey, guys, I'm coming through yeah. with a sick, you know, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> we're getting sick with a huge plate of spaghetti meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I would have I lost it if that had, <laughs> had happened. Another version of the story had the Riley character transported into her own mind and she meets her emotions like yeah, face to face. See, I think that's like the DreamWorks way to make this movie, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. I, I don't mean to yeah. slam on DreamWorks, but that's like that's why that's why their movies don't work so well com- comparatively. Like that's that was left in the drawing board for a reason because it there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not it's not the right way to tell this story. They found the right way. It's as if think- yeah, it's as if Andy realized his toys had come to life and he goes and talks to Woody like Yes, yes, and that breaks. Yeah, yeah. that that ruins a big part of what ruins makes the illusion. those movies yeah. so great, you know? Absolutely. That that, that that kills in my opinion like you guys talked about with Jurassic Park, uh the the wonderment that would yeah. kill the wonderment. I mean, that that sure. kills the, the I you know, to make to be really cliché with Disney, the magic. That yeah. would kill the magic of the movie. The magic is that this little girl, she's feeling all these emotions, but she just, you know, she theoretically doesn't know why. And it's yeah. because they're fighting it out up there, you know, and that's that. That's why exactly like you said, Brian, that, that's why Pixar's Pixar and DreamWorks is doing Tales of the Dragon or whatever, you know. So, right. I thought the intro of the movie and the actual setup is is just so genius. How how Riley is a kid and the first emotion she has is joy. Perfect. And yep. then uh, here comes sadness immediately after, you know, and you kind of acquire these emotions. I'd never thought about emotions that way. Like you don't you don't really know anger until you get angry. You know that you know what I'm saying? Like you yep. 
you only get, get, have fears when you become aware of what fear even is like that you can be scared of stuff. So if, if she would have had fear as an infant, you know, that wouldn't have been very accurate. I didn't think about that at all when this movie was announced or anything. Uh, I didn't, I didn't think that they would introduce characters kind of as the movie went along there. And I really liked that. Uh, like the setup, it was, it was so, it, it just, everything worked so well, you know, mm-hmm. there wasn't uh there wasn't, one little thing I would have changed about any of this really. And I love when she was imagining things and she did, she's standing on her couch and she looks down at her floor and it's lava. She's playing floor is lava and she's running. Uh, like, did you ever play floor is lava, Brian? Totally. I did it yesterday. How no, did, yes, of course. <laughs> how, did, how did everybody play floor is lava? I could have sworn I was the only person like, okay, I don't want to touch the floor. What substance can the floor be made of? Ooh, yeah, and that's lava. how parkour was invented. Yeah, they're based, parkour, they're just basically just playing Floor is Lava. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, let's but see way here. cooler. I mean, let's uh, When fear, or the part when fear stops her before she hits the cord, and yep, she yep. just barely pours the, pulls her radio flyer over it. Yeah. But then she just, then Joy go, but then Joy pushes that lever all the way forward and says, all right, we're having fun again, and pulls the, pulls the lamp off the table. Another, you know, it, another yeah. thing I really didn't didn't consider or didn't think about until I saw this was the fact that good memories can become bad memory memories. Yes. You can your your perspective on something can can sour. And vice versa. Yeah. And yeah. I just love that when I thought that was when sadness the most and joy, insightful thing they did the whole absolutely, movie. Absolutely, absolutely. And when when joy and sadness were sort of fighting over the memories, how they would cut back to Riley in real life and her face would go from sad to, you know, joyful. You know, she would have that little spark of inspiration in her mind uh, when she would get a good idea or when she would feel sad about something. Uh, they really conveyed the emotion of the person with the emotion of what's going inside their head like, in real time. You know, does that make sense? So yeah, absolutely. That, that just made it so much better. And that that's the whole crux of of all this. Uh, Imagination Land, by the way, one of the lands in uh, in the mind. Uh, I know Bill Hader was, had some story influence here, so... I'm convinced that that's a South Park reference he crammed into uh, Inside <laughs> Out. There's a there's a trilogy of episodes um, on South Park called Imagination Land, and they do the same thing. They go inside their imagination, and they have like a war there. And I I, I know for sure it was because Bing Bong even says, "I love Imagination Land. There, I'm well known here. I'm basically the mayor." Because like in South Park, one of the the main character is the main is the mayor of Imagination Land. So like when they go there, that's what they mean is the mayor of imagination, imagination land. So any South Park fans out there who are listening to this know <laughs> exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing with that there. Uh, a couple more Easter eggs here. Uh, the characters of the emotions were based on basic shapes that would be associated with those emotions. For example, joy was based on the shape of a star. Sadness was based on the shape of a teardrop. Uh, anger was associated with a red brick. Um, <laughs> disgust, broccoli, and uh, a raw nerve was used for fear. That's funny. So uh, maybe next time you look at the characters, you'll see those shapes. Something else, you know? Have you ever heard the Pixar "Everything is One Movie" theory? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we need to talk about that more on the show. Actually, we sh- I haven't done enough research to talk about it at length right now. Yeah, but there's this. Look it up, listener. This that's your homework till next podcast next week. Look up the Pixar everything is one universe uh, theory, and uh, basically every movie 
relates to another movie. Everything happens in one world. For example, uh, say at the end of this, I, I could have sworn this is setting up for uh, the reveal like in 10 years that the the reveal on screen that every movie is related. There are hints at it, you know, and like fanboys go on forums and write connections of between movies, but they haven't like, you know, officially said that, that they are related and, and definitely not. They haven't worked it into the plot of any of these movies. You know, uh, I'm just waiting for a, like an inside out toy story crossover at some point or something, you know, like, like this is going to be the reveal uh, because uh, for example, her name is Riley Anderson in the movie and uh Bonnie Anderson is actually the name of the uh neighbor on Toy yeah. Story the neighbor that they give the toys to in Toy Story 3 uh-huh. uh at the end of the film so there's one hint right there already and uh like I said this is going to cross over at some point sometime we're going to find out uh how these are all actually related so man I I I freaking love this movie Yep. Uh, I was just so happy watching it. It's so original, and it, you know, it's great for adults. Uh, something like like Cars is just not great for adults. This this works on both levels, and yep. we're adults talking about it. We've been on here an hour talking about it, so <laughs> that should tell you what kind of movie this is. It's just such a joy to watch, uh, no pun intended. And you know, bring your kids to it. It's it's so touching, and I just love the uh, heartwarming nature. I, I didn't cry, Brian. I didn't. It didn't move that way to me, but I was just so inspired by the vision of it all and, and sure. the way it comes together. It's just flawless, really. So, Absolutely, uh, yeah. Any, I, I do or, think this yeah. is one that uh, I think some Pixar movies are kids' movies made to be appreciated and and uh, to be liked by adults, and then there are a, I think this is one that is made for adults that hopefully kids can enjoy. You know. Uh, which maybe is a detraction if there is a detraction to make on on this movie is that it might not be completely targeted at its target audience, if you will. But yeah. uh, I, I, to me, that doesn't change the fact that it's an incredible film. And I, I'm kind of blown away that there's four rotten ratings on uh, on Rotten Tomato for wow. this right now. Like what? I don't know what more. I would like to know what's wrong with those four people. Like what? what went wrong in their life? Who hurt them to make yeah. them uh, hate this movie? I mean, the meta score, the meta score on IMDb is 93. Sheesh. I mean, out of 45 reviews and you look at the reviews, it's a hundred, 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 hundred. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, and like I said, I haven't been researching movies that much, but I can't remember the last time a movie has been by critically. I mean, just, you know, not, not like a really dramatic movie, but just something that's a, a quote unquote, in my opinion, a popular movie, like one that's heavily promoted and whatnot, you know, one that's like so loved like that. Um, yeah. Like with a hundred, usually movies like this, usually it's like Jurassic world. It gets like an, an 85 or a 90 and it's like, yeah, it was fun. It was popcorn, blah, 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 blah. But this is like a pure, I mean, it's like, it's a fun movie, but it's like really good. It is yeah. so, and like you said earlier, so well-written beyond well-written i mean it just it's one of those where if it goes to the oscars next year i i will be insanely disappointed if it does not win an oscar for writing uh for cinema i mean just a whole bunch of i mean uh, it's hard for, i'm sure it's hard for acting wise uh voice vo- vocally. They, they need to have um, a voiceover category at the oscar i'm not even playing it's yep. and they need a mocap motion capture and a uh and a voiceover category that's kind of stupid 
they don't at least have voiceover categories uh, at this point. And in, in, in my opinion, Amy Poehler would win best. Oh, for sure. Voiceover. I mean, her when she's down in the end of the bottom of the pit, and then she's just like giving up, and she starts to cry. Yeah. And right before she realized, I mean, when she's looking at the orb and it's, cry. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you could hear, and then she's really crying. I mean, and yeah. I was like, this is like Oscar worthy acting, but you can't yeah. see her. She's doing with her voice and that deserves yeah. an award in my opinion. I, You're exactly right. They do, they do need an award uh, category for this. It's yeah. crazy that she did this probably in the peak of Parks and Rec mayhem, you know, like she would <laughs> shoot Parks and Rec for, you know, the afternoon and like at night would go in and do inside out voiceover work. You know, uh, this, you know, this is obviously recorded a long time ago. So I wonder what place she was in emotionally. Like she was coming off the Will Arnett, <laughs> like his fiasco and, uh, came in that night to come do the crying scene. Cause she was really upset about her. So, you know, I don't know. I would love to hear her talk more about, about inside out. Mindy Kaling said she read the script and just started bawling like weeping yeah like she I, said the I script that. was that good yeah i'm there yeah <laughs> no totally <laughs> i man i want to work for pixar I'll, I'll say that call me yeah. pixar does wanna, pixar need a podcast we'd, we'd love to work for you official <laughs> podcast of pixar we can work yeah. that out we'll just trash every other animated film that's not pixar disney i'm i'm willing to do that right if now. they want to pay us under the table to do that we'll be glad to <laughs> talk about or that. over the table or over the table. We'll, yeah. we'll make it public yeah uh, By the way, the first person who gave Pixar a a rotten rating, uh, I'm I'm not going to name him because I don't want to give him pub. But he in the last year gave a B to Transcendence, so that was fresh for him, and an A minus to Chappie. So just <laughs> let that sink in. As C as- C plus for Inside Out, but Chappie, that's an A minus film. Is it Charlton Copley? <laughs> Yeah, or is it, the, is it the rapper that was in the movie? God, I can't remember the name. I've been Diane trying to remember this whole podcast. Through the name. Yep, that's that yes. Was him. Ninja is the ninja. reviewer. So. Ninja, yeah. we're gonna make a ninja robot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a ninja. <laughs> as long as it wasn't our friend David Edelstein. No, it wasn't friend him. of the I'm podcast. Not, I'm not gonna David name Edelstein. him. I'm not gonna name him. But okay. but there are four negative reviews. You should look them up on on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I would say. I don't feel like I'm the type of person that attacks people for their their views on films, but I feel like I would attack all. You of these did that on uh, on the Gravity episode. I remember you specifically called out people that gave it a negative <laughs> review. <laughs> nothing. I, one of them said like nothing I haven't seen before. Yeah, really? that's true. I really? forgot about that. Yeah, and we're like really because no one's ever seen any of this before. This is <laughs> yeah. completely different. Yeah, yeah. I, I really probably, tried I not probably to do done that. that for Indiana Jones. Yeah, well, look, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, and I get not everything's for everybody, but to watch that movie and be like, it's not at least a B, because that's basically your fresh rating, is like a B, B minus. No, no, it's not good enough for that. Are you kidding me? Come on. By the way, they used the phrase non-objective fragmentation <laughs> yeah, in this movie. I was just <laughs> looking at the four-year-old sitting across from me like, really, you following this, kid? <laughs> my my wife, who's a school teacher, she looked at me and she when they said that, and they were like, "What six year old's going to know Nama?" I can barely even say it. Non objective fragmentation. Non objective <laughs> fragmentation. She looked at me and she goes, "Seriously, really? For six year olds, that word, really?" <laughs> One more thing, I I have to mention, which was something I didn't expect at all, but was 
awesome was the TV studio that they make the dreams in. <laughs> I thought so that funny. was so daggum funny. So, yeah, oh, so funny God. and so the, just brilliant the way they came up with that. Oh, my with gosh. With Hater watching it, too. Yes, and yes. And that was fantastic. <laughs> they need to make a movie out of just that, like about that studio, like called it, call it like Dream Factory or something. Yeah. You know, and oh my gosh, that could be, that could be another movie. That. Like, honestly, yeah. that, that was so good. Awesome. Uh, I just, I had to get that in. We didn't mention that. And that was, just I mean, in another throwaway line by Bill Hader there, when joy comes running in as the dog and he just, he's sitting there drinking his coffee or his tea and he just goes, eh, unoriginal. Yeah. <laughs> he just, he's making comments and, and they're just little quick little jibes. Right. Yeah. But if you're not paying attention, it's great. And, and, you know, he's like, then the dog gets cut in half and he goes, okay, this is not right. You know, and then it's just the fear <laughs> is building up. And then the clown just busts through and he goes, oh my God. And just, <laughs> <laughs> and she, and they're like, well, she's awake. Cause she's died. She's awoken of fear. <laughs> I thought for sure when they said that, you know how they use the camera as the point of view of the dream. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be uh, the first person point of view of the person in the dream. I, I thought for sure to wake wake up Riley in the dream, they were gonna uh, tip over the camera. You know, like in dreams when you fall yeah, sudden, yeah. you fall suddenly and you wake up. I thought they were gonna do that. Uh, didn't do it. So um, I, I also thought it was funny where they were naming all those dream cliches. Like, okay, teeth are falling out. Teeth are falling out. And they're like throwing the fake teeth on the ground, like okay, now you realize you don't have pants on. It's like all the all the dreams that like people will have about flying and stuff like that that they 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 put in there. Man, there's so many small funny, like you said, Eric, just throwaway lines. Yeah, when they're walking in and there's the movie posters of what she's dreamt. And you know, Bing Bong says, "Oh, flying through the air, I loved that one." Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Dreams like movies and. They're going through like a movie studio. I, yeah. I, and I sat there and I'm sitting there literally mouth agape going, how do they think of this? Yeah. I'm just, I mean, it's just what more, kind, what kind of drugs are they on? They need to send, send me some of that. <laughs> They're on some like FBI level stuff over there. Yeah, <laughs> like, just, I mean, I could just, just see the story. What if the dreams are a movie theater, man? And like, there's this, like <laughs> there's actors that are like acting out the dreams and they have to put this reality filter over the camera to make it look like it's real and live. You know, it was, <laughs> I, I had I had the I had the image of this list like this writer. They deem him all right. Your job, you're going to think of Dreamland. That's your only job. And he just comes into work the next day, just beard stubble, hasn't shaved, hasn't showered. All right, Dreamland is just a movie theater. That's brilliant. What's wrong with it? Really? Seriously? Right. I came up with like you know, and it's just and it probably is. And it's always things like that that you always read about that they're accidental ideas. And you know, and, and it almost makes you wonder if they're walking through Pixar one day. One of the writers and goes. What if we make Dreamland this? And well, they just look at him like, "What? No, this the movie theater. What if we make Dreamland is like this?" The idea you know? for the movie came from Pete Doctor and his daughter, and he uh, he was just he said he was just with his daughter one day at home or something. And he just thought to himself, uh, or you know, his daughter soured real quick on something. They were just having a good conversation, and she soured like real fast on it. And he just thought to himself, I "Wonder what's what the heck just happened in her." head to make her do that and then boom the next day he goes to uh john lasseter at pixar and pitches the idea for inside out and here we are so i mean a lot of it's so organic and that's why i started off the review by saying this just felt so 
natural, non-convoluted. It felt so organic the whole time. And that's, man, it's that, just Pixar at their best. It really and is. And not, not to interrupt, that might be Pixar's, that might be their motto. That might be their, their, their motto that, you know, that you, you said it's Don't one Don't force world. it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's just organic. Let everything just be yep. the way let, it is. Don't invent anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You yeah. know, just let everything be. Does she trip? Does she not trip with the wire? But she pulls the lamp over. Let her pull the lamp over. You know, just stuff like that that really happens. And that and that's why it's like they they're they're masters at explaining the magic behind the normality. I guess is what you can if you want to get really philosophical about it. You know what I mean? But organic, I guess, is how I would describe Pixar. They're just organic. Everything is fresh, but everything that they do sequely is good. I mean, it's just it's uh, it's amazing. I I I continue to be amazed by, it. and then they hear the story about how they come up with the movies, is just you know it's yeah it's it's amazing. Um, let's give grades, guys. I'm gonna give this an A plus. This is a perfect movie. That's really all I have to say, Brian. Same A plus. Uh, really has a good chance to be number one of the year for me. Uh, I'm I'm just totally blown away by this movie. Eric, grade. Uh, same thing. A plus. Uh, it's probably. In my all-time movies, probably top fifteen, maybe top ten. Wow, it's yeah, one of those. But it's it's it touched me. That I mean, not just touch, but it was just that well done, in my opinion. Yep, yeah. It's not up there for me as far as um, as far as stuff that it's going to be like my as far as Wally. This movie touched me emotionally more than most Pixar movies, but I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites. It's it's in the top five, maybe top six. Um. It's like up with me. It's great. It made me, you know, emotional and all that. But it's just mm-hmm. not as far as stuff that I attach myself to person personally. Uh, I think Wally and Toy Story still surpass it. It's uh, really it's in a lot of ways, man. It's harder to compare the Pixar movies than it is to compare the top fifteen or twenty movies of a year. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're getting. Yeah. You really could look at those top eight or nine toy, or uh, excuse me, eight or nine Pixar movies, and say those are all A plus movies. And how do you how do you rank sure. all of those out? It's it's very difficult. Comparing apples to apples here, guys. It's yeah. all it's all good stuff. Um, so go see Inside Out if you're still with Please. us. We didn't really give many spoilery stuff in this review, so we we. We promise we didn't spoil it for you. You'll still enjoy yourself uh, at this screening if you've listened this far. And uh, and you know, go support this. Go support Pixar, and and you know, spread the word about this. Spread the word about good movies. Yeah, uh, please. Okay, let's move on and let's uh, get- go ahead, Brian. So I've been watching a new TV show, and by the way, for the listener, I would suspect that the majority of my weekly recommends over the summer will be TV shows because I I will binge the heck out of uh, out of a TV show in the summer. So I'm in a couple of them right now. So this week I'm going to give you a a Netflix original that my wife and I have been in, watching together and really enjoying uh, called The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, uh, starring Ellie Kemper, written by Tina Fey. It was originally supposed to be an NBC show, and uh, they I think they did the entire season and then said, no, that's not what we're looking for, and sold it, passed it on to Netflix. If you're a 30 Rock fan, uh, this is going to be – this is like 30 Rock light. It's like sparkly 30 Rock. Yeah. Uh, you can definitely see the Tina Fey influences, and, and I thought 30 Rock was – 
Uh, probably a top five sitcom of the of the era for me. I love that that show quite a bit. I don't love this quite in the same way. Uh, I think it's missing a little bit of the bite that that Thirty Rock had, and that's probably due to the fact that Alec Baldwin's excuse me, American Treasure Alec Baldwin's not involved. Yeah, because uh, Jack Donaghy is just an insanely great character. Uh, but it's a really funny show, and it's out there, and it is one that. You can, I think you could probably watch two or three times and not catch all the jokes because they move really fast and throw in these very off-the-beaten-path references and one-liners that uh, you may not catch originally. I'm really enjoying it. We've got, uh, I think, two more episodes out of the 13 left to get through. And uh, Ellie Kemper's great. Titus, Titus Burgess is the, uh, the sidekick. And he is just hilarious. Uh, pretty much everything that he says is is insane, and uh, and it's it's very enjoyable. Again, it's it's odd, it's weird, it's very Thirty Rocky. So if you didn't like Thirty Rock, this is probably not going to be for you. But uh, but I did, and and uh, I think a lot of pe- a lot of self respecting TV watchers did. So check out Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I realize that I'm like three months behind on that, but uh, I finally got to, and I'm really enjoying it quite a bit. I've seen it. Uh, Did I've you watch a, the whole I've thing? Seen a couple, no, not the okay. whole thing yet. I've seen a couple episodes. Uh, I love Ellie Kemper. We we're talking a lot of Office cast tonight, by the way. Which yep. uh, take this opportunity to plug our Office episode. We have done an episode on NBC's show, The Office. I think you'll it's have not, to look on the web. Yeah, it's not on the. I'm not on the old iTunes anymore. So if you're a new listener, you haven't seen that episode, and you like The Office, go to our website and uh, search for The Office, and, and you'll find that. But love Ellie Kemper. I always thought she would be the perfect SNL female cast member yeah she would have been so good i she probably auditioned at some point she seems like the exact type of person that would have thrived in the snl factory but uh yeah she's great and uh love tina fey of of course right. as well so yeah i can i can recommend that show i'm really well. stoked for what season two is going to bring because it will be written directly for netflix and yeah. so I think they can probably get away with more, maybe get away with a little more, but just, I don't know, just try, if you're not trying to get picked up by a network, it's not that you get to, it's not that Netflix gives you the freedom to like have F bombs in your show or something like that. It's that it gives you the freedom to not worry about whether a network is going to think that it's funny, whether a suit in an office is going to think that it's funny because that doesn't seem to matter to Netflix. So I think you can, you can pull out some jokes that you probably can't do on network television, not because they're inappropriate, but because they're just uh, they're they're highbrow, and I I just think that's what made Thirty Rock so great was some of these off the wall ridiculous references that not everybody was going to catch, and that was okay. Uh, right. I think you'll get more of that come season two. Seinfeldian, you could say, I guess. Sure, yeah, one totally. or two, you know, like uh, like. Uh, who would have thought of you know, Dostoevsky or whoever is you know stuff yeah. like that writing like that you know that, that's that's why somebody said you know Seinfeld wouldn't do well today because you know there's a lot right. of hype brought to it Seinfeld would be a night on Netflix yeah. absolutely I'm gonna recommend something that just made its way to Netflix and I might have recommended this in the past but I got a short uh, short term memory um I'm gonna recommend my number four movie of all time. Ferris Bueller's Day Off has oh, uh, nice. made its way to Netflix. John Hughes, uh, comedy from the 1980s. It, uh, John Hughes, uh, comedy from the 1980s. 1986, uh, to be exact, starring Matthew Broderick as Ferris Bueller. You have to see this movie. If you have Netflix and you haven't seen this movie, this is a must-see for 
any movie yeah. fan, any fan of great, awesome comedy writing and, and yeah. great filmmaking. If you're uh, over greatness. the age of 25 and you haven't seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, yes. <laughs> a, email us. We want to hear from you. But B, what's wrong with you? Like, and what? C, never listen to our show again. <laughs> <laughs> be blatantly honest about that no it's 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 fantastic it's my number four movie ever in the history of of cinema so uh yeah man it's great it, i think it's richard roper his favorite movie ever too I think uh, you're right yeah of of ebert and roper fame but uh you know great great comedy and uh it's a must watch especially on netflix if you've got netflix just watch it for free how about that uh so that's my recommend eric what's yours uh well I'm gonna I'm gonna have to you know be easy and say True Detective I, I I could not be a bigger fan of season one um it true season one was easily to me one of my favorite seasons of TV in a long time and the writing was great and all whatnot and after the um, after the season premiere I get you could see that it's what's going to be great about it is that it's going to be somewhat like season one. There's like under layers or you can see it's kind of like season one, but that it's going to be able to stand on its own with its own, uh, story with its own plot. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and Colin Farrell, I thought was absolutely fantastic in the first episode. He was amazing. I mean, he was hilarious. He was scary. He was funny. I, I thought it was great. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. So that's my weekly recommend. I haven't gotten to watch it yet. Kent, have you seen the first episode? I did. Okay, yeah. I'm going to get to I was hoping tonight, but I think I've got to get up early tomorrow for a meeting, so I'll probably get to it tomorrow night. Uh, I Just to echo what you said, Eric, I really hope that this is kind of a – I don't think you can consider it a breakout, but I hope it's a reminder to the world that Colin Farrell is freaking awesome. And it's oh. it's odd to me that people were not stoked about him when he got cast. I think Colin Farrell is a great actor and he just needs the right property to really show that off. So I hope – this is that thing where people are like, "Hey, you know who's really good? Colin Farrell." And I'll be like, "Yeah, no crap. Like he's been in he's been great in a lot of things." Uh and, I'm stoked for what this. What movie scene. I loved him in the most, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Brian, is no, Saving good. Mrs. Banks. I thought yeah, he, he's he fantastic. was quietly he's the best part fantastic of that movie. in that yeah. movie. Him looking yeah. at his daughter and yep. saying, you know, sit and looking at him and the emotions that he brought from that movie. I thought I he was great in that movie. I remember when I first saw the movie, saw him as Saving Miss Bank, I was like, Colin Farrell, you know, the guy from Total Recall, you know. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you know, you forget sometimes when actors take a role that's not, you know, that's that's for the money. It's like Total Recall, I thought, was a little bit right, for the right. money. But sure. like Saving Mrs. Banks, that was acting. This, I have a great feeling that he's going to be fantastic in this movie. He's going to get an award, that he's going to get the Academy Award, in my opinion, that Matthew McConaughey should have gotten. Um, I thought he was great in episode one. He's really, in his mannerisms, were fantastic. And the ep- the episode was great, Brian. You're gonna love it. I'm if dope. you loved season one, it's great. It's really good. It's gotten panned a lot. I thought. I thought I'd seen some things where people thought it was boring. You know, it's, they said the same thing about the first episode of the first season too. Okay, I will say, yeah. Richard was on the record on the show saying, I, I recommended first true detective i think like right after the first episode in uh yeah. in 2014 and i recommended it said everyone should check it out have you guys seen it richard have you seen it he goes yeah i saw it i don't know what'd you think he goes thought it was pretty boring <laughs> and you know here we are now it's one of the best shows to ever come out in the history yeah. of ever uh by yeah. the way a short plug there for our true detective episode 
We did yeah, do one we, on the first we'll season. Definitely do and that was great. Episode yeah. as well. I can't, I can't wait till you guys do a season two. Season one was great. I, I, that's another one that I had to go back and listen to that was great. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 going to become something. I can tell it's going to be more of a – it's going to take four or five episodes to get into that pinnacle. Uh, but, man, I I think it's going to go – Rachel McAdams is, is fantastic as well. Oh, uh, she, Taylor was Kitch. she was great yeah. too in the first episode. And Kitch, I had never honestly, and this this is going to show my ignorance. I had never heard of Taylor Kitch before, and I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, he was fantastic in that episode. It, and, it, and it's and it's just you're watching it, and again, it's like season one where you're just sitting there going, "Man, this is just perfectly cast." Yeah, and this looks like it's going to be again. And Vince Vaughn, I really think he's going to surprise some people. He was good. He was really good. I thought, and I think he's going to be great. And you're seeing some previews for next week where he gets a little. I, I really think crazier. he's going to stretch him out. Yeah, he gets a little crazier, and I think it's it's going to be a role that he's going to love that he's going to take. I think it's going to let him get open some. I hopefully open some more movies dramatically or uh, serious wise. I think he can do, and hopefully he can do because I, I really love Vince Vaughn. I'm one of them. You know. Sweet, good recommend, and uh, man, thanks for being on, Eric. It's been yes. awesome. Oh, guys, we really appreciate it. A beyond a blast. This is this has been great, and. Uh, Hopefully, if they, if we reset everything next year, hopefully I can uh, make another donation and get on the Indiana Jones because <laughs> I noticed because I remember I saw Jaws, I was like, man, forty years old, and I was like, then I looked up on um, I had it, Indiana Jones was on on the TV, and I saw, man, it's gonna be twenty five years. Holy crap, they're gonna do a twenty fifth anniversary episode next year, hopefully. So yeah, uh, no, yeah, absolutely, that's, we that's will. easily my favorite movie of all time is Indiana Jones and the Temple. Of, I mean, not Temple of Doom, but um, in the Lost Ark. Yeah. So you know in. But yeah, uh, this was amazing, guys. I thank you so much for letting me on. That was great. Thank you so much. And I apologize for how much I cut off, guys. I no, you're great, man. We really appreciate your donation and coming on. You were you're awesome. We loved it. So so glad you could do it, guys. Glad you could do it. Where can we find you online, Eric? Uh, I am uh, Eric B nineteen eighty at aol dot com. Okay, I'm sorry. That's my that's my email. I'm sorry, Uh, Eric B (laughs) nineteen eighty. In case you want to email him, there you go. I'll send us $500 and we'll keep you from putting your public email address out there. Eric B1980 on Twitter. Um, Yeah, I do. I'll I'll do once a movie, but it's mostly sports and movies and stuff and crap ramblings ramblings from my mind. So, Um, yeah, I've I've tried to tune out my political leanings and just go with movies and sports and just always a good way to go. Yeah, it's usually the I found that's the Uh, Brian, where can we find you? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing uh, this week. I'm going to have something this week, Kent, uh, for okay. the, at the madaboutmoviespodcast.com webpage. Kent, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. And you can find our show online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find the show on Twitter at MAM underscore podcast for some hilarious movie banter. You can like us on Facebook. Just search for Mad About Movies Podcast. And uh, give us a good old five stars on the iTunes if you like what you hear. That really helps grow the show, and uh, and it actually goes a long way. If you're not going to take the time to give us a follow or uh, shoot us an email, liking or giving us five stars on I- iTunes is a is a great yeah. uh, replacement for those. Do yeah. all of those things. Do all it's, those. Yeah. yeah. Do all it's those. It's fair. We we checked. It is legal to do all of those things. <laughs> and if you would like to keep the show going, like like Eric did, you can donate the amount of your choosing at our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Just click donate right in the center of the page. And until next week, fellas, I'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, guys. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. 
Yeah, maybe. But I've got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya yeah, yeah. salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.